You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au. For those of you who are new, my name is Duku. Uh, As I will say shortly, I have been a minister here. Still a minister though, but not in a very official official fashion as it was before. Uh, we have been doing the series, summer series on the Psalms, and so this is going to be the last one, the fourth one for this year. But I have chosen the theme of Thanksgiving, which to my surprise doesn't have a lot of commentaries about. We know that we sometimes call the Holy Communion Eucharist, which is the Greek word for thanksgiving. And uh, there is not much commentary about thanksgiving. It appears in worship or praise, which is not very far from what thanksgiving is all about. But socially speaking, we do express thanks every day and acknowledge it from others. Whether it's from holding the door for somebody walking in or whether it's letting somebody join in the traffic queue from a road junction that they would otherwise not get in. You get that nice feeling when somebody waves back to you through the driving window, the mirror, I mean, then you see, then you wave back. It just creates a whole lot different atmosphere. But it could also be to more substantial things. I remember one day I was working on the computer, not a long time ago, actually, and then my wife just thought she needed to check on a lady that I had worked to support to check how she was going because I felt she needed some kind of attention. And as a man, I can't give that attention. So I asked my wife to do that. So she gives the call and then she says, how are you going today? Oh, I'm all right, but I am bleeding. Oh, you're bleeding? Because she was expecting, seven months expect, pregnant. You shouldn't be at home. Have you called him? No, I'm just waiting for my husband to come home so that I can leave him with the other kids. And I say, no, 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 no. That's not right. I'm just coming there now. Just get yourself ready. Then I will take care of the kids. She did that. And as she was doing that, she left me home with the other children, which often I'm not at home. And as she was arriving there, there was another lady coming again who was coming as a supporter for the kids. And then immediately say, the, the lady say, okay, I'm going to drive her to hospital. Just arriving there, less than five minutes, the kids were born, twins. And rushed straight away to the Royal Melbourne to be intubated. And now they are crawling. Beautiful. 
The mother still thanks us and my wife, but we know it was God. Just in time. I don't think those kids would have survived if she gave birth alone at home. And I believe that as you sit here, you can recall people in your life to whom you can be thankful about. At very critical moments like that. Today we celebrate Australian Day. And I hope it's time for us to seriously give thanks for people who endeavor to better others, to make this country to be what it is, so that we may continue to be a country that many around the world envy to come to and they live in. It takes actions among us. And of course, the bushfires are not far from our minds. And I think the response of the bush, to the bushfires by the whole community, everyone, in fact, is a good sign that we should give thanks. Others putting their lives on the line for the sake of another. That is a beautiful thing. As far as socially we are concerned. But there is also scholastic endorsement now that is urging people to be thankful because it enhances positive outcomes. Particularly in time of crisis and the loss. It, we have to work hard at it, isn't it? Because the difficulty is, when we are very comfortable, we simply take things for granted. Immediately we have a feeling of a sense of entitlement. You know that I've been working with the ministry for focusing on young people who are at risk. I think one of the problems that begins with parents and the kids is when there is lack of appreciation and thanksgiving. When things are taken for granted. Even as husbands and a wife, if you're a couple, once giving thanks and appreciation stops, that relationship is on a downward spiral. It will not survive for long. Always looking at what the blessings that person has been. What are the blessings that we offer one another? But I want to look at Thanksgiving in a Christian way. I have this quotation from Romans 1.12, which says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, 
but they become futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Now, as Christians, our thanksgiving is more than simply good manners. You know, the strange thing is that when I was looking for somebody who could really define me, and I have never thought of trying to look for definition for thanksgiving, it is always assumed, almost everybody, because as soon as we gain consciousness, it's taught to us. In fact, my parents tried to enforce it by a bit of lashing, if I didn't give thanks for whatever I got. Or simply gratitude for a personal benefit, because I have received this, so I give thanks. Christian thanksgiving is more than that. For believers, thanksgiving is an outcome of a spirit-filled life. A life that flows out. It shows firmness and the strength of faith. And it's a sign of maturing discipleship. For us as Christians, thanksgiving is a way to glorify God. Because if we don't, Life doesn't end the way we would want it. It's our praise. It's our worship. So when we sang the first song, it doesn't mention thanksgiving at all, but that's exactly what it is. According to the Psalms we have read, beginning, give thanks to them. We count our blessings. Sometimes it's easy to see what we have in God and very difficult to see what we have got. Sometimes we compare ourselves with the neighbor or what people have around. And the actual things that you have are sufficient to make your life happy and joyful. Count your blessings before the Lord. The reason why we Christians give thanks to God is because we enjoy so many things for which no human being is responsible. So much that we think we should give thanks, but there is no one to thank. Except who? God alone. I sometimes hear say, people say, I thank goodness. But this psalm tells us that even goodness belongs to God. But unlike secular thanksgiving or social thanksgiving, Christian thanksgiving is that we have to give thanks in what? In all circumstances. That is a principle that we have to follow. We don't want to be like Job's wife and say, why don't you curse God and die? What was Job's response? Should we only expect good from the Lord? 
Why? Because those things that we feel we shouldn't give God thanks for are there actually for eternal purposes, for our good, for your good. Psalm 136 is called a recital psalm. Recital in that it retells the history of Israel, the salvation history. So that we are not preoccupied with the present and the future, but we reflect on that, what has happened to us some time back. How the Lord has been faithful and good to you. And here he was good to Israel. It's an example of a cultic liturgical tradition of Jewish communal worship in thanksgiving. There are three sections that I want to look at. First is Yahweh's attributes. And then second is God's wonders in creation. And then Israel's salvation history. From verse 1 to 4, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders for his steadfast love endures forever. From here we see that the first attribute is the steadfast. Your, 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 your version says faithful love, but it's not different from the word steadfast. In other words, it doesn't reduce. It is constant. Yahweh, in the eyes of Israel, was seen to, having, to have made a commitment to keep a covenant relationship. Because the language here is of an agreement between two people. And Yahweh was so committed to this covenant keeping, regardless of the upside downs of Israel in terms of holiness and morality. Israel knows how much it has failed and they know how much God has tried again and over and over and over and hasn't given up. So this phrase, his faithfulness endures forever, is like to underline this fact which goes through the whole chapter. And as, as people, as Christians who struggle sometimes in our journey, we can rest assured, confident that despite my failings, despite my unworthiness, God has not given up with me. God has not given up with you. God is there constantly for you. It is love like no any other. 
which eventually God comes to demonstrate in Jesus Christ when he gave his only begotten son. Attribute two is God, Yahweh is good. What does good mean? I'm sure you know it in your own way. But in the Bible, it means God is morally perfect. And he's gloriously generous. Whatever God decides for you and me, it is perfect. Take it. Don't doubt it. It's absolutely fine. He is the standard of goodness. Even the goodness outside there has got no meaning except if it's found in the goodness of God. It has to be measured to his goodness. If you have any, please let me know. But I don't think. That means God's works of creation is good and they reveal a great unparalleled wisdom and the art. His gifts and the commands too are good. They are for the welfare of those who receive it. And of course, God's steadfast love is expressed in doing good. Otherwise, he's not an abstract out there. His goodness is active among us. Active in your life. Active in my life. These are things that we, we have them, but we take them for granted. And we don't give thanks for enough for him. The third attribute mentioned there is that God is God of God of gods and Lord of lords. That means he is supreme. He is above any other. And there is no other God like him, no matter what. Do not be deceived. Because I know we live in a very pluralistic society. So you will be told all sorts of things. I'm not undermining other religions. But I'm talking about the Bible here. God is above. Attribute four, God is a miracle worker. Yahweh does great wonders. And all those wonders are seen throughout his works of creation. Those works of creation are miraculous. And they display unmatched power. The second part, which is Yahweh's wonders in creation, flows from chapter verse 5 to verse 5 to 9. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. 
the son to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and the stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. These are things that we don't talk about because we think they are all years. Don't you worry. But when you look at this portion, then you go to Genesis chapter 1. This is simply a very small part. And I think the psalmist here wants to show that Israel acknowledges that God's or Yahweh's steadfast love and his goodness and his dominion and power are demonstrated throughout creation. Later on, food is mentioned. But I think the idea of the psalmist here is that he is considering food as a basic human need. And he chooses to list the components of creation responsible for producing food. And we all know that without food, we can't survive. It's very difficult. You can't imagine life without food. This is only one example. Now let us think it this way. The sun provides light for energy. And of course the warmth for the plants to, to germinate. The earth provides the soil and the nutrients. The rain from the skies water the plants. And we able work the fields and get our food. What the psalmist is saying that all these components have been prearranged with understanding with a foretold of purpose. Do you get the point? Because there is the argument that creation simply a big bang and then it just happened. Now when things are arranged systematically like that to meet a need, we have to look at things differently it can't easily be reasoned off. Now, this is only one example of the complexities in which we get as a blessing from God's creation, which should be a cause for thanksgiving. Am I right? The reason is because they are so obvious to us. Our recent experience of drought, bushfires, and the hailstorm should help us make the should help us make the psalmist point clear that for the earth to hold alive as we have it, it requires wisdom, understanding, and a perfect balance. Any slight alteration, we are done. 
It's a thin line of balance that we hope it never gets wrong at any time. And we wish we could control it by ourselves, wouldn't we? But that's not for us. We can keep wishing. That's for the Lord himself. And we know creation is fine-tuned in many ways to suit our needs and our bodies are well suited to receive them completely without any technology that we can imagine of. We just got it there. A cause for thanksgiving. Now that's creation. Let's come to real life. The history of Israel. This portion is larger than the rest. This is the redemption of children from slavery in Egypt. It's long to read because of time I will skip it. And then, but you, it was already read to you. But it talks about the miracles that God did to force Pharaoh to let the children of Israel to go. They remember the hard times in the desert. When they had no food and water. They remember when they had to cross the Red Sea. Where there was no way. They remember the disputes in the, and the rebellion in the desert. And the once they got to Canaan, they had to fight and conquer the Ochwans, the Amorites, and the Bashanites. Now, the most interesting is that they attribute all these things to Yahweh, not to themselves. They didn't even mention Joshua. They would have felt it is our strength. It's our effort. But they knew God was the one who was leading them. There are a number of things that we see here which show God's faithfulness. We see that by doing this, God is fulfilling a promise to Abraham. Made long, long before. When you read the history of their migration, you know that there are moments of real, real, real pain. In Exodus 32, there was the golden calf where God was so, so disturbed. And they felt like, I'm not going to go with these people. 
Moses pleaded. And God, love was rekindled. As they went, there was, when they got to the crossing of the race, this sea, and they would see Pharaoh coming to, to, to kill them with his army, what they spoke to Moses was not nice at all. It was lack of faith in the face of danger. They got somewhere where there was no food. They complained to Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us here to die of hunger and thirst? We wish we were slaves, but at least had enough food to eat. You see that sort of, we wish we were enslaved, but have enough food to eat. We also notice that Yahweh will not let his rescue plan fail, and they will allow his people to go through trial, even if, that takes, if that's what it takes to save them. God will not let his plans to fail and he will let you or me to go through some trial if that is what it takes to save me. And this is what it says in Romans. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. I just want to th let you to reflect a bit about what you think is going wrong in your life at this point in time. How do you align that with your faith? It could be sickness. It could be a failing relationship that you have no power to control over. It could be anything like that. Challenges that are coming into your life. Within that, the Bible is telling us that we should look carefully and see whether there is a divine purpose. And of course there is a divine purpose in everything. And then align ourselves with that. Align yourself, align yourself with that and give God thanks so that things can shape up according to the way God wants we see that where there is no way, the Lord makes ways. The way he parted the Red Sea for the children of Israel. And of course, the overall thing here is that once God created nature, he didn't leave it there to function as he has set it to function year after year. He can intervene at any time, if that is necessary, to communicate or to guide and save his people. Imagine the food being provided in the desert. No water, no rain. There was enough to eat. There was no water whatsoever. They told Moses to hit a rock, and out of the rock bursts water. 
in plenty. Cool. Clean. So God is not limited by nature. God can do things. And we need to trust. Are you having a situation in your life that is almost like impossible? Bring it to the Lord. So when you have those situations, give thanks to God in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. This is our Christian principle. That regardless of what, we are to thank the Lord. We are not only to thank those who do favorable things to us. We are also to thank those who challenge us. We are also to thank those who oppose us. We are also to thank those who question particularly our faith. Because it gives us the resolve to explain it better. The psalmist finally, as I conclude, turns to God's salvation plan. It is he, in verses 23, it is he who remembered us in our low estate, for he steadfast love endures forever, and rescued us from our foes, for he steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. In other words, God, if the story of the children of Israel is to be a lesson for us, when they were in Egypt under slavery, they had no hope. They were powerless. For us as humans, in the face of sin and the evil, we are powerless. Take it from me. If ever I want or you want to fight evil and sin on your own, you can rest assured that you are done. God understands that, and that's why he, say, he raised Moses to go to the children of Israel. To us, it's Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. It is Jesus Christ that he has sent. For your salvation and for my salvation, and the steadfast love of God continues forever until it comes and finds fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And even we know that Jesus came the first time. His second coming is coming. There is what we call already and not yet. The kingdom of God is established, but the consummation is still waiting. His steadfast love continues on forever and ever. We share in the powerlessness and the vulnerability in the face of slavery to sin. We are thankful for Jesus 
That's why some people call the Holy Communion Eucharist. Eucharist is the Greek word Eucharisteo for thanksgiving. And then when Jesus was in the Last Supper, he took the bread and he gave thanks. He is our food in the Eucharistic feast that we will soon share together. Friends, since God has created for us a reliable food-producing system, as we know it, he can be depended on to meet our spiritual hunger. You can rest assured that your spiritual hunger will not left unaddressed by the Lord of Lords, the God of Gods, the King of Kings. Do you have any spiritual hunger that is still lingering over? Do you have any sort of difficulty that is challenging you? Challenging you to the very core that almost is like I shouldn't go going to church anymore. It's there. If you have that, please don't go here and pray before. We have people who will be on the side here praying for you. But before we do that, let me just pray for you. Lord, we are called to be thankful. There is so much that we can thank you for. But more than all, we thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior. Who have come to demonstrate your love for us that is enduring and they will never waver. It's love that is unconditional. It's love that looks into our very situation, our very circumstances. We thank you that he offered himself to die on our behalf and that he took the punishment that should be ours in order to liberate us and set us free. Lord, in the face of evil, death, and suffering, this is a cause of thanksgiving from our hearts. And we meet here to celebrate and to rejoice with understanding that you, God, are there for us. You're not against us. And we are encouraged that nothing separates us from you. Lord, even as we are here, we pray for your healing upon us. We pray for understanding upon the things that we sometimes don't understand. We pray that the struggles that we go through that cause us to question our faith in you will be answered. Thank you, Lord. Bless us now in Jesus' name.
Amén.